In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So God willing, today we'll uh, finish up what we started last time, which is speaking about the rites of the baptismal prayer. Um, we started by uh, talking about the um, the prayer for, here's the structure, the prayer of the absolution of the woman, which is a prayer that's prayed um, on the on the mother um, in order for her to um, be able to take communion again. We spoke about that. And we spoke about the baptism prayers themselves, which includes the renunciation of Satan. Um, and we said how in the baptism prayers, there's three different types of oil that's used. The simple oil, the oil of joy, and the holy myron oil. And the, the, and the consecration of the water, which was what we're going to speak about now, we use the three oils on the water. And in the baptism prayers themselves, we use the three oils anointing the person. Okay, so up until now, if you're following along in the sequence, um, the mother, uh, we prayed the absolution of the woman on the mother, and she is anointed with the unction of the sick oil in order for her to be able to take communion again after having given birth. Given birth. Then there's the baptism prayers, which we start praying on the person who is to be baptized. And during this prayer, we anoint the person with two oils, the simple oil and the oil of joy. Those are the two that we've anointed so far. The third oil is the holy myron oil, which we'll do later on. Okay. Then there's the consecration of the water prayer, where we are praying on the water itself to prepare it for the baptism. Okay. Um, so this, uh, this is called... Um, this uh, consecration of the, of the water is, d is done to prepare it for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And um, this is like in the book of Genesis, at the very beginning of the time of creation, when it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay, So the Spirit of God hovering over the waters is represented by the incense that is used during this consecration of the water prayer, as though like the Holy Spirit is preparing the water for creation. Just as in the book of Genesis, the Spirit of God was hovering over the water for the purpose of the creation, right? So what is the creation that we're doing in the baptismal? It's because the person who is being baptized is dying and they're coming out of the water a new creation. So the Spirit of God is preparing the water to, 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 for this new creation that is going to come up out of the water, okay? So as I said, we anoint the, the, the water with the three oils. And the, the last of them, which is the Myrun oil, is used to cause the water to become living water, capable um, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to grant new birth to the soul and body and become effective in the salvation of the baptized person. Okay, So it is the preparation of the water. St. Cyril the Great likened the baptismal water at the moment of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to a bowl with water which is placed on the fire so it gains heat. The baptismal water gains the power and the reflection of the Holy Spirit to be born of God and the church as spiritual children. Uh, just as St. John the Baptist says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Sanctification of the water is accomplished through the prayer of the gathered church, the reading of the word of God, the signs of the cross, and finally by the pouring of the, of the Myrun into the baptismal water. So the Holy Spirit dwells on the water. Uh, the Holy Spirit dwelling on the water grants the baptized person a new nature. Um, because we are actually anointing the water and it is taking on this new nature, um, at the very end of the prayer, when everything is done, the priest prays a special prayer on the water, asking God to restore the water back to its original state. 
essentially asking God to put the water back to be normal water again um, before it is drained. And even the draining of the water, the way that the baptismals are constructed, they should be constructed so that the drain is not connected to the sewage system, but it's connected to a pipe that just leads out into the grass or into the, you know, out, outdoors, okay? Because this water is considered like, like it had been consecrated, and so we don't just throw it away in the normal way, okay? Um, in Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So this is what I was mentioning. The Spirit of God is hovering over. God created all the creatures, the light, the firmament, the seas, sun, moon, grass, herbs, trees, animals, birds, and concluded by creating man on his image and likeness. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Okay, So that was, again, the preparation of the creation was the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. In baptism, a man is void of any virtue, and his soul is empty because of the original sin that each of us is born with. So the Spirit of God hovers over the baptismal font. Okay, So the, 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 the Spirit of God, and again, it's symbolized by the incense that we use during the, um, the, the, these, these prayers of the consecration of the waters. The use of incense... During this prayer represents the Holy Spirit that hovered over the waters in creation, which will now also create a new spiritual person in the person being baptized. The priest pours the simple oil into the water three times in the sign of the cross, saying in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Then the priest says the following prayers inaudibly. There are several prayers that are said. Um, the, the fir this first inaudible prayer, the priest is actually asking God to make the priest himself worthy to be able to uh, perform the prayer yes no the unction of the cigarettes is different the simple oil is essentially um, any oil that's been prayed on so like for instance it could be the uh, often what's used is the oil from the vigil of the apocalypse okay so it's not um, which is just oil that's been prayed on the 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 oil of joy is a special oil that's prayed on by the bishops by the synod and so is the maroon oil so, so the, the first stage oil, or like the lowest rank, if you want to say, of the oil, uh, is, is we call it the simple oil or the oil of catechumens. There's another name for it. The unction of the sick is a sacramental oil that we pray at the unction of the sick prayer, and that becomes specifically for the sick. We use that one for the anointing of the mother and the absolution of the woman, but we don't use it for anything else, um, for the anointing of the woman. Because it's considered like a sickness, like she's recovering from after having given birth. So so it's considered kind of like she was sick. Um, okay. Again, the, the three oils that are used are used in that ascending order. Starting from the oil of the catechumens, or the simple oil, and then the oil of joy, and then the maroon. So it's kind of like you are consecrating something gradually, increasing the consecration until it reaches like the maximum consecration, which is the maroon oil. So again, that, that, those three oils are used both in consecrating the water and in anointing the person. So there's readings that are read from the Pauline Epistle and the Catholic Epistle and the Acts. So it's, it's kind of like a mini liturgy. That's why we call it the liturgy of the baptism. Okay, um, And then we read the gospel, the psalm, and then we say seven litanies. Um, and then there's other additional silent prayers that are prayed. Okay. Um, After, at the end of this prayer, the sanctification of the water, the priest then 
puts in the Myroon oil after having already put in the other two oils. Okay, it is at this point then when already we said the, the person who's being baptized has already been anointed with two of the oils, right? The simple oil and the oil of joy. And now the water has been prepared, been, been, been anointed with the three oils, okay? It's at this point that the baptism actually takes place. So everything up until now, you know, maybe has taken like 45 minutes or so um, to prepare the person and to prepare the water. And then the baptism itself takes just like, you know, a few seconds, very fast. Okay, after the person is baptized, we chant Psalm 150, and that is the end of the baptism itself. Okay, so now at this point, the person has been baptized. The next step is the confirmation or the chrismation. Okay, so after the baptism, the priest anoints the person with the maroons. Remember, I said that the person gets anointed with the three oils, and so far, there's only been anointed with the first two. So the, the, the next step which is the confirmation, is when the person is anointed with the myroon oil. And the word myroon is a Greek word that means oil or ointment. Okay, So the person being baptized, this, this d differs depending on if this is uh, a, an adult or a child. Okay, If the person is a child who is being baptized, um, then we anoint the entire body of the child 36 times in different parts of the body to represent the full consecration of the whole body and all of the senses, okay? So the baptized is anointed with the Myruin in 36 areas. First, the priest anoints the crown of the head, the two nostrils, the mouth, the right ear, the right eye, the left eye, the left ear. So these are eight different anointings. So each one is like a small cross. So the priest makes a cross with the Myruin oil on the body of the baby, okay? Second, he anoints the heart, the navel, the back, and the spine. So that's four more. Then he anoints the right shoulder joint above and the armpit and the right elbow joint around it and the joint of the right palm and on its back. So six signs. So pretty much three signs on the top of the arm and three signs on the bottom of the arm. So he does that for the right arm and then the left arm and then the right leg and then the left leg. Okay. So t together all of those are um, 36 signs. If the person is an adult, we're not going to anoint all of this. We're just going to anoint like the head and the neck and the back of the head and the, the wrists, okay, typically. Um, after this, the priest says, may you be blessed with the blessing of the heavenly and the blessing of the angels. May the Lord Jesus Christ bless you, bless you and in his name. And then at this point, the priest breathes into the face of the baptized person, which is for the receiving of the Holy Spirit. So again, we believe that the confirmation is for the receiving of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the baptism, which is the step right before, we die and are resurrected with the Lord. And then here in the, in the confirmation, this is when we actually receive the Holy Spirit, and this is what the Myroon oil is for. In the, in the, in the, uh, in the ancient church, okay, in, the, in the book of Acts, for instance, whenever people were to be baptized, it says after the baptism, the apostles would lay hands on the person being baptized, and they would receive the Holy Spirit. A very interesting, and, and, and I, I advise all of you to read it, in, in Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 19, there are some disciples that St. Paul happens to meet, and he asks them this question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. We don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. So at the very early church, there wasn't like structure and organization like we have now. 
um, and the way that people are being baptized and chrismated and so on, it was very different, okay? So you could have people who were believers who had been baptized but never received the Holy Spirit, okay? That's interesting. So they, so, so, so St. Paul asked them, these, these, these disciples that said, we never even heard of the Holy Spirit. He said, into what then were you baptized? And he said, we were baptized by the baptism of John. Okay, John, John the Baptist. So what is the baptism of John? The baptism of John, we call it like a pre-sacramental baptism, meaning it was not for, the, it, it wasn't the, the sacramental baptism that we practice today. It was something that was done before Christ as a symbol of repentance. So people who would go to St. John, St. John would baptize them. It was like a symbol of them being repenting of their sins. But that's all it was. It wasn't to become a believer. It wasn't to join the church. It wasn't to become a child of God. It wasn't to be any of that. Because St. John at that point when he was baptizing, Christ had not yet um, been crucified, had not yet resurrected. So any baptism that was done prior by St. John prior to that was not some was a baptism that would actually have to be done again. So so when when St. Paul was speaking to these disciples, they said into the baptism of John. So then it says, then Paul baptized them again in the name of the Lord Jesus. So at that point, it was a sacramental baptism, the baptism that we have today in the church, okay? Dying and resurrecting with the Lord. Then he says, then it says what? He laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit, okay? Which means what? It means that the, the, these disciples, these believers, okay, they were believers who had been baptized already, okay didn't have yet the holy spirit right so like when we ask for instance in churches that don't believe in the sacramental baptism or don't even practice baptism at all um so so how do we understand this chapter how do we understand it there was a baptism that was not sacramental it didn't have the, the power to make a person a child of god which is what the baptism does okay it didn't have the power to to kill the old man and to resurrect the person. And that's why, even though they had been baptized, St. Paul told them, you have to be baptized again because the baptism you were baptized with was not sufficient. And then, as a second step after the baptism, you actually had to receive the laying of hands for the receiving of the Holy Spirit. So it says they received the Holy Spirit only after they received the laying of hands. Okay, So in the early church, the laying of hands is something that could only be done by the apostles or the successor of the apostles, which were the bishops, okay, who were appointed by the apostles. But as the church began to grow and the rank of the priest was created to be kind of assistants and helpers to the apostles and to the bishops, um, it was decided that this oil would be made as a substitute for the laying of hands of the apostles and of the bishops, and that this oil could be distributed to the churches, and the priests would use it in lieu of the laying of hands, because the priests didn't have the gift of the laying of hands. It was just the bishops only. And so the, the, the priest, if he was going to baptize someone without the apostles being present or the bishops being present, he could use this oil after the baptism for uh, equivalent to the laying of hands. And this was a oil that was prayed on by the bishops to grant it this authority and this power that could then be used in the church okay so today up until now we still use the same myron oil that was used back then okay for the same purpose right so that whenever there's a baptism the bishop doesn't have to be here technically if the bishop wanted to he doesn't even have to use the oil 
he could just lay hands on the, the child or on the person being baptized just as he has this gift of the laying of hands. Yeah. Bishop could do that. But in practice, just to maintain uniformity with all of the rites of the baptisms, the bishop will also use the oil, even though he doesn't have to. Okay? So, at this point, after having anointed the person with the oil, right, the priest breathes into the face of the person being baptized and says, Receive the Holy Spirit and be a purified vessel through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom is the glory with his good Father and the Holy Spirit, now at all times, unto the age of all ages. Amen. And it's at this point that the Holy Spirit comes uh, upon this person. Okay. At this point, the person who... Um, uh, well, so the, the person after having been baptized, okay, if it's, uh, if it's an adult, the person, of course, they come up out of the water and they dress immediately wearing white clothing. The white represents that they have now been purified um, through the baptism and through the, 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 the baptismal prayers, and they're like completely new. That's why we wear white after we're baptized. If it's a child... Right? They don't wear clothes immediately. At this point, they're still not wearing any clothes until after they're anointed with the 36 anointings. And then at that point, they put on the white clothing, which represents um, a, a new life um, in purity. Okay? Um, there is a right of there being crowns, like crowns that are placed on the head of the baptized person. This is something that we don't practice anymore. Okay? So we used to practice it something that the church used to do, but since the 17th century it hasn't been practiced. The prayers for on the crowns are still actually in the rite, and, and so you'll see them, like if you, if you look at Coptic Reader and you look at the rites of the Holy Myroon, you'll see in there, speaking about crowns. Um, so, so we'll pray the prayer, but we don't actually have crowns that are used, as this was no longer done since the 17th century. Then we have a ribbon. A red ribbon. Okay, so this red ribbon is tied around the person who has been baptized, um, and it's called a girdle or a belt. Um, so just as like you have like a soldier who ties a girdle around his waist, like before going into battle, it's like a sign of like preparation, like a person who is now a soldier of Christ, a person who is now in a war fighting um, against the against Satan. Um, and the red color represents the salvation through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the red represents the blood of Christ who shed his blood, blood for us. And after tying the girdle, um, we chant the hymn, Worthy, 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 um, for the person who has just been baptized. So at this point, the person has been baptized. Sorry, we, we consecrated the water. The person has been baptized in the water. They've put on the white clothes. They've been anointed with the Myroon oil, um, and now they have the red ribbon tied around them um, representing salvation in the name of Christ. Okay. After the red ribbon is tied, now we have what's called the commandment. The commandment is something that is said either to the parents, if it's a child being baptized, or to the person being baptized themselves if they're an adult. Okay. So, if a, if a person is being if the person being baptized is a child, then the parents are considered the godparents, okay, or we call them the sponsors, right? 
if a person who's being baptized doesn't have parents that are Orthodox, then you can have any other Orthodox person to be the godparent or the sponsor of that child. Essentially, they're taking responsibility for the, up, the, the raising of that child in the Orthodox faith, for bringing them to the church, for teaching them about Orthodoxy, and so on. Okay? But if the, and, and so the commandment in that case is said to them, said to the guardians, said to the godparents. If, if uh, the person is an adult, then the commandment is said specifically to the person because they don't have uh, a godparent. They don't have a person who is taking responsibility for them because they're of age they can take responsibility for themselves. Um, and so this commandment is, um, is, is you know, it's, it's, it's not very long, but it's, um, it, it talks about, you know, the responsibilities of living a pure and upright life, the responsibility of the fasting of the church and coming and attending the church and um, attending liturgies and taking uh, communion and the sacraments and all these things that a person is promising to do um, on the day of their baptism. At that point, after the commandment is said, essentially um, the, the ceremony is completed uh, in the morning. This is all done in the morning before the liturgy. Um, and this is when the priest prays the prayer of the dismissal of the water, um, which is asking God to turn the water back from this holy water that was used in the baptism, ask him to return it back to regular water again. And actually there are some people that like to take some of the water um, at that point um, it was like a blessing um, for them. But typically that's not done. Um, at that point, the water is drained um, into the plants, as I, as I said, not into the sewage system. Okay. So at this point, th and this is still all in the morning before the liturgy, and the person who has been baptized is wearing white and has the red ribbon. Then they attend the liturgy as normal. Okay. And uh, at the end, when it's time for communion, okay, uh, the the person being baptized will be the first one to take communion, okay? So if they're like a man, the first of the men to take communion. If it's a woman, the first of the women to take communion, um, both of the body and the blood. Um, and then after the liturgy is completely done, then the person will come and stand in the front, and the priest will pray a final prayer on them, uh, on the person who was baptized, and they will remove the red ribbon from them the red ribbon that they've had on for the entire um, the entire liturgy. And then again, that same hymn that was chanted earlier, Worthy, 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 um, which is axios, um, for that person who's been baptized is chanted, and then the ceremony is, is done. Um, so that's the rite of the baptism, and that we have kind of very briefly. Does anyone have any questions or comments about it? Yes. Yes, so so the mother, the only thing that the mother can't do on the day of the baptism is take communion, but she can do everything else. So if she if she chooses to baptize the child before that waiting period, um, which is perfectly fine to do, and actually, I mean, my personal opinion is um, since baptism is something necessary for salvation, and of course you don't know what can happen, so it's better to baptize as soon as possible. You don't have to wait to baptize. The 40 days and the 80 days is related to the mother. It's not related to the baby. 
Okay. Yes, a lot of people think that it's related to the to the baby. It's not, it has nothing to do with the baby. It has to do with when the mother can take communion. So typically, most of the time, the the parents wait so that the mother comes to the church and takes communion at the same time as the baby on the first day because the baby also is not taking communion until they're baptized. So this way the mother and the baby they take communion together the first time. Okay? That's typically what most people do. But the 40 days and the 80 days has nothing to do with the mother. Or sorry, has nothing to do with the baby. So if you wanted to baptize the baby the first week, you know, that the baby's born, you can't. Okay? But part of the reason maybe is that you know, the baby is still a newborn. They're still very young and small. And people don't want to necessarily to baptize them when they're like right at the very beginning. Also, people feel nervous to bring their, their kids to place with a lot of people. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why parents might want to wait. But there's no reason other than because the mother also wants to take communion the same day to wait like the 40 or the 80 days. <laughs> yes. So again, that's what's in the, the book of Leviticus. And the book of Leviticus has to do with how long the, the... So in the Old Testament, it was related to cleanness, uncleanness. We don't, we're not talking about cleanness and uncleanness in the New Testament. But we just adopted the custom and the tradition of the, of the times. Okay? So in the Old Testament, when they were speaking about the uncleanness of the, of the mother, they said that if she gives birth to a male child, then she's unclean for 40 days. And if she gives birth to a female child then she's unclean for 80 days and so for that period of uncleanness she would be apart and separate okay so in the new testament the church adopted the 40 and 80 days but it's not because of the uncleanness of the mother but but the mother is not taking communion during that time and she still has a flow of blood and all these things so so like um yeah again it's related to the mother it's not related to the child the the waiting So, so the bathing prayer is actually, so sometimes the church takes something that's already a custom culturally and then spiritualizes it to, because the people are already practicing it. So the bathing prayer is related to an Islamic prayer that used to be prayed on young children called subuah, okay? And the subuah is something that would be prayed on children, very, very young age, as like a blessing for the child, Okay. So in Egypt, this subuah, even though it was Islamic, became culturally accepted that everyone would do it, including the Christians. Okay, So the church wanted to say, okay, if the people are already accustomed to having this and they want to have some prayer that's prayed on the baby in their home, then we'll make a Christian version of the prayer right? that then would be prayed on the baby. Okay, So that's what we call now the bathing prayer. Okay. Most people don't do the bathing prayer, and it's by no means required. It's not a sacrament. You don't have to do it. Again, it, it, the, the real prayer that, that has a, an effect on the child that's necessary for salvation is the baptism. And you can do the baptism very early. You don't have to wait the 40 or 80 days. So, But many people, especially who are like coming from Egyptian background that are used to this prayer, they will do it. So I, I believe in Egypt or even here in America, people who are like... like um, more of Egyptian culture, a lot of them will ask for the bathing prayer, okay? 
But the bathing prayer is kind of like something that was added to satisfy a cultural requirement, not really originally something that was necessary or something that was practiced in the church. Like I, I don't know actually if you go to other Orthodox churches, whether they even have the bathing prayer or not. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yes. I'm not sure why it was dropped. Um, I'm not sure. So, I, uh, yeah. The question is why do we not do the crowning anymore? The crowning? Uh, I'm not sure. There are some people, what they do is the, the white clothing that they get for the for the baby, they get them like little clothes that look like what the priest wear. And they will have like the tailasana, which is the pointy hat that the priest wears in the liturgy. They will actually dress the baby in this clothes like f from very like, but I don't recommend it because it's very hard for it to stay on. Um, but but they try. <laughs> so you can actually buy a set of that like um, in some places like as was that. But so I guess you could say that kind of satisfies the crowning <laughs> because it's wearing something on the head. But um, I'm not sure why it was stopped. Yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, did anyone lose car keys? Kia? No. It has like a teddy bear with broken arms and legs. Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, Lord, for this day and for the Feast of the Theophany that we celebrated. Rem reminding us, O Lord, of your baptism and how you provided baptism for our salvation. Help us, O God, always to renew our baptismal vows and to live a life of purity and righteousness. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but the Deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God, the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Communion, the gift of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Go in peace, the peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.